Today we're going to talk about diversity in heaven. So let's begin by talking about heaven. Heaven is a spiritual dimension. It's not a physical place. It's a spiritual dimension in which the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit dwell. And heaven is a place where believers go when they die. Jesus said to the dying thief on the cross, the dying thief had just said, Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. He had expressed a belief in Jesus Christ uh, as his Lord and Savior. And Jesus said to him in Luke 23, 43, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And so where did Jesus go after he died? Contrary to some teaching, he didn't go to hell. Where did he say he went? Today, he went to heaven. He went to paradise. He was immediately in the presence of the Father. And this thief, when he died, believing in Jesus, he joined Jesus in paradise, another name for heaven. Scripture tells us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord for the believer. And so heaven is not just about the future. It's something that we'll go to someday as believers, but heaven should impact our lives and priorities today. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 6.10, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we must understand how God's will is being done in heaven so that we can pray to bring that will about here on earth so that can impact how we live. Now, God's will will only be made complete on earth as it is in heaven when Jesus comes again, but we move in that direction. When Jesus returns, heaven will come down and merge with earth ultimately, and we'll have a new heavens and a new earth, and then Jesus' prayer will be completely answered. Heaven will have come to earth. But today, we're going to look at diversity in heaven we're going to look at diversity in heaven as a model and example for the church on earth. Now, current dictionary definition of diversity is, I'll read, the inclusion of individuals representing more than one national origin, color, religion, socioeconomic stratum, sexual orientation, etc. Now, there's an issue with that definition I'll address in a moment. But it's uh, diversity is inclusion of individuals of all different kinds in one place or setting. The Bible speaks of diversity in the church. Galatians 3.28. It says there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so in the church there are to be people of different national origins. Different colors. People of different socioeconomic levels. People of both genders. Male and female. We are all one in Christ. Now, obviously, there are not people of different religions in the true church. Uh, for everyone in the true church is a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, just briefly comment on the current issue of sexual orientation that's included in most of the definitions of diversity these days. The Bible teaches that any sexual orientation other than heterosexual male or female is abnormal. And when acted upon is sin. Heterosexual relationships outside of the bond of marriage are also sin. But the church is a place of healing for all kinds of sins, including sexual sins. But today we're going to look at diversity in heaven as a model and example for the church 
here on earth. Our first point, this is different, preaching without PowerPoint. It's an experience, I haven't done this for a while. Every people group will be in heaven. Every people group will be in heaven. So your fill-in-the-blank word is every. I'll repeat it twice to help you out. Revelation 7, verse 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, people, and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And so in the book of Revelation, Jesus showed the apostle John a vision of heaven. This is what heaven looks like right now. It's what it's going to look like forever. The people in heaven are described as a crowd These are believers in heaven as a crowd so vast that they can't be numbered. The people are from every nation. They're from every tribe, from every language, from every people. In that particular phrase, every nation, tribe, people, and language is used seven times, as you would guess, in Revelation. Seven times to describe the totality of people there. In other words, every people group is represented in heaven. Every people group. And John could see all of these different nationalities, people from different backgrounds, unified together. And they were all standing there before the throne of God and before Jesus, the Lamb. And each of these believers from different backgrounds were dressed in white robes. And they held palm branches, symbolic of victory. Held them in their hands. And all these people were worshiping together. All people will worship, underline, together. Revelation 7 verse 10 says, And crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And so even though this vast multitude had spoken many languages on earth, in heaven, John heard them worshiping together with a single loud voice. Now, I don't know exactly how that all worked out. Maybe in heaven we can understand every language that's ever been spoken. Or maybe everyone speaks the language of heaven. I don't know. God's got it figured out. It's going to work out. And John heard them all worshiping God together in a loud voice. And nobody was getting hoarse. Now, as you read through Revelation, one of the things that will strike you is heaven is a very loud place. I mean, the typical thing of heaven is an angel, you know, on a cloud, softly strumming a harp. But when we read the book of Revelation, people are shouting with loud voices. The sounds of angels shakes the heavens. I mean, it's a very loud place. It's louder than the loudest rock concert you've ever been to, and you don't get hearing damage, okay? It's just awesome. The point is that every nationality was not operating in their own space. They weren't worshiping God over here, the people from Africa, and over here, the people from Asia, and over here, the people from America. They were all together in one place, worshiping God. Every type of believer that ever lived was worshiping God with one voice. And even even the people and angels were worshiping together. Verse 11 and 12, and all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. 
blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And so besides believers, there are other spiritual beings in heaven. We have the angels, myriads of angels. Uncounted numbers of angels are there. We have the 24 elders and the four living creatures. Now, we don't know exactly what those beings are, the four living creatures. Many commentators believe represent all the created animal life on earth. I mean, they have faces of animals, but it's four different... Well, let's not get into it, but it's something we've never seen before, okay? It's, they're incredible. And then the 24 elders, most likely an exalted angelic order representing both Old Testament and New Testament believers. And so they all joined with the believers in worshiping God. And everybody could understand what everybody else was saying. John could understand these angelic beings worshiping God as well. And their worship indicated that this worship in heaven is going to go on forever and ever without end. The Bible tells us that even now, as John saw it there, and we see in other places in the New Testament, that angels are worshiping God in heaven right now. They're rejoicing, Jesus told us, at every new believer that's saved. Every time a person is saved on earth, the angels erupt into worship in heaven. And so our worship here on earth is not just us down here, but we are to join with the angelic worship that's going on in heaven right now. As we worship together each and every Sunday, as we worship together or apart on our own throughout the week. And if as Jesus prayed that his will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. Maybe our worship on earth should be a little bit louder. Maybe our worship on earth should be a little more like how we shout at a Cardinals game when somebody hits a home run. Giving God everything we have, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our emotions. But that's a topic of another message. But the point of these verses is that every people group will be worshiping God in heaven, and that's a model, an example for churches here on this earth. I believe that every God-honoring church should reflect the biblical diversity of the area in which they're located. The tendency of churches to consist of Non-diverse congregations, what I mean people, everybody looking the same in a church, in a diverse area does not reflect this vision of heaven. And so St. Louis is a very diverse area. It's true of most larger cities, and that's why our vision at Life Church is to reach out to people of different national origins, people of different colors, people of different ages, people of different socioeconomic statuses. We want to reflect what's going on in heaven. And so not only is biblical diversity in the church following the model of heaven, biblical diversity also shows the unity of the kingdom. That the kingdom of God embraces people of every national origin, of every color, of every age, of every socioeconomic status, and anything else that differentiates people. The unity of the kingdom is not just the people coming together who all 
look the same, talk the same, with the same background. Unity in the church is solely a result of having a common faith. We all call Jesus Lord. Now in heaven, only those who are saved are going to go to heaven. Revelation 7.13, one of the elders addressed me, that's John, saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? And so the white robes that all these believers were dressed in in heaven represent the righteousness of these believers in heaven. The robes are spotless. They're brilliant white. They represent sinless perfection. And the Bible is clear that there's absolutely no sin in heaven. There's no evil. There's no wickedness. There's no sin. Heaven is a perfect place. And since every human being has sinned, the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, how can anybody go to heaven? Well, entrance to heaven is not graded on a curve. That's what most people assume. You know, they go to school, you're graded on a curve, right? And so at least a few people always get A's, no matter how abysmal their performance was because it's graded on a curve. So the, the best of the worst will get an A in most classes. You're graded on a curve. And most people think that's how heaven works. We're graded on a curve and, hey, I know a lot of people that are going to get the F's and the D's and the C's, and, but I'm not there, so surely I'm going to get in. But heaven is graded pass-fail, and any sin, and you fail. And we've all sinned, so we've all failed. If you have, only if you have no sin, only if you are perfectly righteous, can you enter heaven. And so we're going to answer in a minute, how can anybody go to heaven then? All believers will go through tribulation. Revelation 7.14, I said to him, to this, uh, this elder, Sir, you know the question, who are these people dressed in white clothes? And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Now, without getting into great detail here, Revelation is a very complex book. It deals with heavily with Old Testament prophecy and symbolism. And in this message, I'm going to give my interpretation uh, on this, which is somewhat, um, there's different interpretations of what this verse means. I've prayed, I've studied some of the best commentaries on the topic. But the great cloud that we're describing in heaven, I think, clearly represents believers of all times. And every believer, the Bible teaches, will go through tribulation and persecution in life. The Bible tells us that everyone who desires to live godly will encounter persecution. And towards the end of time, the Bible teaches us that before Jesus returns, there's going to be an intensification of persecution. There's going to be an intensification of tribulation for the believers, intensifying into a great tribulation immediately before Jesus returns again. And so we are going to face tribulation. The more that we walk with God, the more the enemy will come against us. But not only will all believers face tribulation in life, all will be made righteous by Jesus' blood. Second part of verse 14 says of these people, these believers in heaven, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Isn't that interesting? You take a, a dirty robe, 
and you wash it in blood, and it turns white. So here's the answer to the question of how sinful people with robes stained with sin can enter into heaven, a perfect place for sinless people. The blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus Christ, can take sinful people and forgive them. The blood of the Lamb can wash the soiled garments of our imperfect lives and make them brilliant white as snow. That doesn't happen automatically. Despite the vast multitude of believers in heaven, there will be many more unbelievers in hell without white robes. That's the difference. You receive a white robe of righteousness by repenting of your sin, asking Jesus to forgive you, and submitting your life to Him as your Lord. And therefore, unity in the church does not come from having the same external characteristics. Unity comes from having a common faith and a common experience with the Holy Spirit. Unity comes in a church by being a witness together to a lost world that exists all around us. Unity comes as a church family embraces biblical diversity rather than seeking to look like a church or be a church where everybody looks, talks, and sounds exactly the same. Unity comes as a church family experiences persecution as their stand for God is attacked in the culture. And unity comes as we follow the example of, of diverse worship in heaven where believers will serve God continually. Verse 15, Therefore they, speaking of these believers, are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. Well, it appears there's no need for sleep in heaven. We're not going to get tired. We're going to worship God and serve Him day and night in the temple continually. And those who think heaven is going to be boring, let me remind you that this book of Revelation is just a quick peek into heaven. The same infinite God who created the amazing diversity that we see on this planet of animals, plants, of the physical terrain, of people, who created the incredible diversity that we have not yet begun to scratch the surface of the universe, of the galaxies, of the stars, of the black holes, of the pulsars, and one can go on and on. That is the God who created heaven. There will be an infinite diversity of experiences in heaven, spiritual beings that we haven't yet imagined, and believers of every kind from all the ages will be there together forever. And as I mentioned before, the Bible teaches us that heaven will merge with earth, the spiritual with the physical, opening up infinite vistas that we cannot begin to understand. And so if you think this earth is interesting, heaven is going to be incredible. And in heaven, God will protect believers from all harm. Verse 16, they shall hunger no more. Neither thirst anymore, the sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. And so all the things that cause pain, discomfort, anxiety, grief, they're going to be removed in heaven. Heaven will be paradise restored. 
The Garden of Eden, in effect, restored with the curse of sin completely removed. And so all the things that make life difficult, the evil that we deal with, the temptation, the illnesses, the pain, it's going to be gone. And best of all, Jesus will guide believers in eternal life. Verse 17, for the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And so the best thing about heaven is that Jesus is going to be there. He's going to be there as our shepherd. He's going to lead us. He's going to guide us to the springs of living water, to the springs of eternal life. And so there's places to go. There's things to do in heaven with Jesus. And the tears of this life will be wiped away. The pains, the sorrows, the regrets, they'll all be removed by the healing touch of our shepherd Jesus. And the new heavens and the new earth will be the home that God has created us for. Forever. And so whenever you get weary with life on this earth, lift up your gaze and think about heaven. We don't talk about heaven enough these days. And don't just think about heaven. Live in the light of heaven. It will make your life here on this earth much better. And so God wants his church to be in this time. God wants his church in this time to be representative of heaven. God wants life church to be representative of the diversity of people here in the St. Louis area. And that takes some patience, doesn't it? Getting to know and love people from different countries, from people with different cultures or different backgrounds, but the end result is a picture of heaven. Everyone, a believer and unbeliever alike, knows in their heart of hearts that love comes from God. That we ought to love people that are different than ourselves. And as we demonstrate that love in our church family, as we demonstrate that love, as we reach out to others around us in this city, it will cause our church family to grow to be everything that God desires. And so as a church, we support missionaries all around the world, thousands of missionaries reaching into lands that we've never been to, lands that we might not have even seen pictures of. People there very different than us. And we're going to spend eternity with those people from the other side of the planet who love Jesus just like we do. And that's why we pray for missionaries because they are winning our brothers and sisters on the remotest regions of the world to Jesus Christ. They're causing the family of God to be complete. And that's why we encourage this church family to give their offerings to missions over and above your tithe to the local church here at Life Church. And one day when we get to heaven, I believe that believers from lands that we've never visited will come up to us and thank us for praying. They'll thank us for giving so that they could be saved. And we're going to worship the same Lord 
Jesus Christ together forever and ever. Now, in order to become a believer, in order to go to heaven, I already mentioned it, we'll mention it again. You need to do three things. A, you need to admit that you've sinned. And that's not unusual. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. You just need to admit it and turn away from that sin. Secondly, you need to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that you could be forgiven. Ask for his forgiveness. And finally, see, commit your life to following him as your Lord and Savior. So I'd like to ask you to bow your heads right now. And if you've never prayed a prayer like that before, I'd encourage you to pray with me. Or perhaps you'd like to recommit your life to Jesus Christ today as well. Pray something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. And because of that sin, I can never go to heaven. I turn away from that sin. I believe I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ to forgive my sins through his death on the cross and his resurrection. Come into my life, Jesus. I commit myself to following you as my Lord. I want to have a white robe of righteousness that only you can provide. Thank you for coming into my life. And for the rest of us, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for this for this glimpse of heaven that you've given to us today. Forgive us, God, for wanting to make our church just a place where we can be comfortable in with people just like us. Give us a heart, God, to reach out to every kind of person around, God, with the truth of the gospel. Give us a love, God, for those different than us. Help us to demonstrate the diversity of heaven right here in Life Church. God, may we demonstrate the unity and worship of heaven in our church family. And as we become more and more like heaven on earth, God, we pray that the church would draw more and more people to experience life with Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that each and every believer would have a goal in life of taking as many people as possible with us to heaven. Help us, God, right here in St. Louis to live in the light of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.